Michael Smith, it's Valentine's Day this week. You know what that means. What's that? The Canes are going to love winning. They have uh, loved winning recently. Team has won two in a row, points in three straight, as of recording this podcast on Monday, February 12th, just two days away from Valentine's Day. He is the web's Michael Smith. And you are TV's Mike Maniscalco. And the Carolina Hurricanes' Derek Ryan will be joining us a little bit later on here on the podcast. Speaking of love. Eh, maybe there'll be a Valentine's Day question for the man they call Doctor. There you go. By the way, that might be one of my favorite calls this year. John Forsland on a Derek Ryan goal. He makes a tribute to a great legendary PA guy who used to call Julius Irving the doctor and Derek Ryan scored and just the doctor. It was well done. John yeah. Forslund tip of the cap to you. I know what highlight you're speaking of. I can't specifically think of it, but I know I saw it and it was, it was well done by the best in the business. They replayed it in the arena. Now, now if you come to PNC arena, they replay John Forslund's calls after a goal. And it was a great call. And it was a big goal for the team at the time. Speaking of the offense has shown up again for the Carolina hurricanes after being sluggish for, about three or four games, Michael Smith, they seem to have woken up. Now, a lot of people, let's go the cynic route first. Well, look who they were playing and who they got the offense against, against the Vancouver Canucks, and then they come back and you know put a lot of goals and a lot of pucks on Semyon Varlamov, which is something they love to do this year in the Colorado Avalanche. But I don't care who you score four goals against, three goals against, five goals against, it's hard to score in this league. And the confidence that I think that we saw the team get off of the five-on-five play, continue to play that way, was pretty impressive. And you saw it start to build against Philadelphia, a hard luck 2-1 loss in overtime. And that is a hard luck loss for as good as Cam Ward play in the team game went. But this is a team right now, they got to keep that rolling. It's not going to be easy against the LA Kings this week, but then it might get easier again. New Jersey defensively has been in a little bit of trouble in the Islanders' goaltending situation. In a word that people who are used to New Jersey and Long Island is trash. I mean, it's been bad. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like garbage, if you will. Ooh, garbage. I'll I'll, I'll go there. I was gonna say questionable. No, but you it's, went. It's been bad. I, yeah. I mean, you take a look at, and I don't want to go off on a rant here early on, Michael, but take a look at the New York Islanders. They have the second best offense in the league, and they're a minus seventeen in the goal differential, and. It's just one of those things where you look and you shake your head at, right? I think as of today, there's still a minus 17 if we yeah, look that up. Minus 17. As a recording of this podcast. And they've scored almost 200 goals. Yes. And that's, you know. <laughs> they only trail Tampa Bay as the best offensive team in the league. So that's why, folks, don't blink when the Islanders are in town on Friday because I could see a lot of goals being pumped in well, that game. And these two teams recently have liked playing those high scoring games, really, you know, dating back to last season. Uh, there was that crazy game in, in Brooklyn where Jacob Slavin had a hat trick yep. and uh, things were just wild and crazy. So, you know, we could be in store for another one of those. But I feel like maybe the team uh, listened to the podcast last week because I think <laughs> I think everything everything that we addressed uh, kind of improved over the course of the week. As you said, beginning with the game against Philadelphia on, on Tuesday, a, a hard luck 2-1 loss where... Uh, you thought things might be progressing into the shootout, and then the Flyers come down the ice and and score on a on a quick play. Uh, but there were there were a lot of things to like about that game, uh, and, and then the Hurricanes took what they liked from that game, improved upon it, and of course two straight wins against Vancouver, Colorado, 
outscoring uh, both of those teams by a combined seven to two. Uh, so really all good trends for the Hurricanes based on, you know, what we talked about last week and that the team needed to find some more five on five scoring, uh, that the team needed to play a more cohesive defensive game in front of their goaltenders uh, and that the, and that the team needed to get points because, you know, at, at this point in the year, points are at a premium. Um, and, you know, we talk about the watermark of, of where the playoffs might be. We've mentioned 95 in the past. It might be getting uh, less, uh, you know, the farther we go along in the season because it seems like the Metropolitan Division, there's there's a different team jumping into third, jumping into that first wild card spot. The standings are, are shuffling on a daily basis. The Hurricanes have actually been able to hold on to that second wild card spot despite not uh, playing for the last two days. That, of course, might change again tonight. But um, it's a time where the Hurricanes need points. Uh, they desperately need points at any chance they can get, and they, they've been able to do that now in three straight, uh, getting five out of, of possible six points. So um, definite improvements since we since we last got behind the microphone. And speaking of improvement, uh, let's take some time to talk about what a lot of people around the league will just look at standings-wise. But if you do this, you've noticed the Canes have moved up. That's the power play and the penalty kill. Look, they got off to a bad start in both of those categories this year, but the penalty kill – has been outstanding since the calendar flipped over to 2018. In the power play, what I think they've got power play goals in 14 of the last 16 games. So the power play has been able to do its job and bring to the table what it's supposed to do. And I think that's why when you just mentioned where are the Canes right now in the standings, that's why they've made this climb because the special teams is better. And if they can get five on five play to fall in line, like we saw the last two games, you got a really good shot at hanging in there. And that's just what they have to do. And, you know, we're always trying to come up with, you know, what's the key? What's the missing ingredient? What's the mystery here? There's no mystery, man. It isn't. If you go down every sport, your best has to play better than the other team's best. And then when you are given an opportunity to take advantage, you have to do that. And in hockey, in the NHL, the ability to take advantage comes on the power play. So you have to be a plus on the power play. And the Canes penalty killers – I thought that was a mirage the start of the season. You know, you have a couple of bad games. Yeah. It puts you behind the eight ball in the standings. We know how good this penalty kill has been the last three, four years under Steve Smith. And even before that, when John McClain was in charge of the penalty killers, we knew what it could do. So it just became a matter of getting it to, to round into shape. And the goaltending has helped too. You know, Cam Ward has been outstanding this year. And Scott Darling, that's something I'd like to talk about. The game that we saw against Vancouver. Scott Darling only allows one goal. This is what the Canes need. They need that one-two punch. You're not getting into the playoffs anymore riding one goalie. you got to have a couple. you got to have a backup you can count on and the number one guy you can look at. And I saw this weekend the Hurricanes have that one-two punch. Scott Darling does the job, does it very well against Vancouver, and then Cam Ward comes back, makes some big saves against Colorado, and he continues his torrid pace. So things are starting to round into shape for the Canes, but you still have to go out there and string wins together, something Justin Williams said after the Philadelphia game. Yeah, I think Williams Williams has been one that you know tells you after a big win, like, look, you know, this doesn't mean anything if we don't follow it up. Like, it's it's that win against Vancouver was great. Uh, got the Hurricanes back into the win column after, you know, three games where they couldn't seem to find it. 
but it didn't mean much if they then came out the next night against the Colorado Avalanche and lost, just as they did a week before with beating Montreal, but then on back-to-back nights losing again to Detroit. So um, he's been one to point that out, and the Hurricanes, to their credit, did a good job of, of, of making that Vancouver mean win mean something, uh, stringing together a couple of wins. Now the challenge is to make it three. You mentioned Scott Darling's performance on Friday. I thought he was excellent. He was big. He was square. Um, there weren't too many rebounds, and when there were, the Hurricanes did a good job clearing them out. They did a good job clearing out any ruckus around the crease. Class Dahlbeck, of course, dropping the mitts uh, at one point and, and, and standing up for, for his goaltender um, when maybe the Canucks were taking a few liberties. That's always good to see Scott Darling mentioned yes. in, in his post game that, that he appreciated it. And now the challenge is for Darling to to make that win mean something, just as the team made that win mean something. Now it's a challenge for Scott Darling to do the same because you look at the schedule this week, he's going to play this week. He's either going to play in New Jersey or at home against the New York Islanders. If I had to guess, I think Cam Ward goes Tuesday against Los Angeles, and then it's a back-to-back situation with travel, and the Hurricanes, no matter if it's with travel or without travel, They've used both goaltenders in back-to-backs this yeah. season, so he's going to play again this week, and it's going to be in a big divisional game. So the, the challenge for him is to follow it up with another stellar performance. Yeah, I, in, if we're looking at that, and only the head coach, Bill Peters, and Mike Bales knows how they've got this laid out for the back-to-back, but if we're going to play that that role, do you want to be Mike Bales? You want me to build be, build be, be Bill Peters? Easy for me to say. Sure, we could. Or Bill B. Peters, <laughs> if that's that's not his middle name, but if yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you be Mike Bales because he's got a beard and so do you. Yeah, that's true. And we're both named Mike. Do you go ahead? I'm, and, and I'm Mike as yeah. well. Like everybody in this organization is Mike except <laughs> if for. You say, if you walk into PNC Arena and just scream Mike, somebody will come to you. Yeah, somebody will give you an It might not be the one you're looking for, but somebody will say something. I went to lunch today, and somebody who we went to lunch with always addresses people before they start commenting by saying the first name of the person they're talking to, and they said, Mike, 45 times, and everybody just stared at this person. <laughs> which which one? There's yeah, three of us. You've got to clarify. And then when I realized it was not me whatsoever, I just continued to eat the lunch and move along. All right, so Mike Pals, Bill Peters, I'm going to go with Scott Darling in New Jersey. Yeah, I agree because I like um, the strategy of of throwing him out in the first game, uh, letting the team in front of him be as fresh as they can possibly be. I think that was a a strategy that worked well against Vancouver. Um, Just because the the last few times that Scott Darling has been in that, it's been on the second half of the back-to-backs where maybe the team is, is not at their best in front of them. Um, and he clearly just fed off the energy that they were able to prov- provide in that game against Vancouver. I like, uh, you know, throwing him out there uh, in the, the first half of the back-to-back and seeing what he can do. Um, and he's gone on the road and, and won some big games for the Hurricanes this season. I think most recently we can point to that game in, in Washington yes. in, in early January where that's a, that's a tough matchup, a tough building to go into and, and perform, and he went in there and, and snagged a win. So I, I kind of like that strategy, and we'll see if that pays off. Yeah, and I like how you broke that down. You, you put the fresher team in front of him, and Cam Ward said it the other night. He goes, you know, I had the fresh legs tonight, so I could carry the team against yeah. Colorado for a little bit, and he did. So that rotation could be it. 
And there's maybe go- we did crack the code. I maybe. don't know. And there's going to be more, too. I mean, because you look at the next week, and there's a back-to-back with travel again, Pittsburgh and Detroit. So the schedule doesn't get any uh, less compact from here on out. There's that weird four-day four break next off. week. I, I don't know what that is. That's bi-week version two, I guess. But No, there'll be practice, so we'll, well be that's here. That's true. <laughs> and we'll be – We'll also be doing a Canes cast that Canes week. Canes cast. We, uh, uh, all, the, all your usual programming will uh, will still exist. So there are a number of back-to-backs left on the schedule. I mean, March has is, March is basically got a game every other day. Um, so the Hurricanes, as you said, are going to need both goaltenders. And I think we've said it on the podcast before that if the Hurricanes are going to be a playoff team, they need Scott Darling. Yeah. Scott Darling's success is going to, to lead to the Hurricanes' postseason chances, I think. Well, there is one thing, too, Mike, that if, if you've been paying attention, a lot of guys now are starting to have the career year for putting together a career season. Brock McGinn right now has career highs and goals and assists yep. coming off a two-goal performance against the Colorado Avalanche. He is just playing solid hockey every single night. And I love what he brings to this team because he brings an element – that they desperately need on nights, which is he's not afraid to hit people. He's not afraid to play, quote, the physical game. And now the offense is starting to round into form for 23. So he's been ready. That's one. Ooh, thank you. And uh, I just – been on fire. That's two. But I just like his game. And, look, he's not out there for anything other than he just loves playing hockey. He comes from a good hockey family, and he's a guy who, who burns with that passion to play. And you don't want to see him snap. Wow. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. He does bring that that added physicality, um, you know, banging bodies in the corners yes. or along the glass. He's not afraid to drop the gloves, as we saw with uh, Brendan Dillon, yep. I think it was. Um, uh, yeah, career year for him. Uh, and the other the thing that stood, uh, stood out to me about the other night is when he scored his second goal, he had a team high five shots on goal at the time, had two goals. And he hadn't even played 10 minutes. So he was making the most of the ice time that he was given. He ended up around 16, I think, for the game, 16 minutes. Uh, but but he's a guy who in you know used in a somewhat limited capacity compared to you know the Jeff Skinner, Sebastian Ajos of the team is very effective, and he's putting together a career year. Someone else on pace for a career year is Derek Ryan. He's tied his career high in goals from last year with 11. He's got 26 points. Three shy of uh, of what he ended up with last year, but with 26 games remaining on the schedule, I would have to imagine he at least gets three points uh, to even his career high and probably best that he'll break 30 points, maybe get to 15 goals. Uh, he's having quite the year, and we had the chance to catch up with him in the locker room after practice today. Derek, you've been in playoff situations before, but how good is it to come into the, the locker room right now and take a look at the board and say, okay, this is where we are. Let's If we control our business, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's nice, but there's still a lot of hockey to be played. I think we've found ourselves in this position before this year and maybe got a little too comfortable, a little too complacent. So I think at this point, it's less about looking at the board and seeing where we are. It's more looking at the board and looking up and where we want to go. So I think that's that's important for us moving forward to have that mentality and and uh, just to continue to play the way we can every single night. When you, when you talk about looking where you want to go, how much more easier or is it more difficult when you see this division where it seems, yeah. you know, three wins puts you in first place, but, you know, two nights off, you can find yourself all the way down in fourth. Yeah, that's the hard part about it. We lose a couple games and all of a sudden everybody's down and 
looks like it's not going very well. And then all of a sudden we win a couple games and we're in a wild card spot and we're looking up. We're you know within striking distance of even the, the division. So yeah, it's 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 just a tough division. The Central is the same way as far as I know. So it's it's a tough league. There's a lot of parity and and um, yeah, we can talk about that all night probably. Speaking of winning a couple of games, you guys have, have done just that recently. What's been the key uh, to getting those victories here in, uh, over the weekend? Well, I think before that, especially the you know games right before that, we just kind of struggled to create offense, struggled, struggled to score goals, and um, we've switched the lines a little bit, a little more competition within the ranks and trying to get ice time, and I think that's resulted in a lot more offense created, and, and um, especially teams that are always important. Our penalty kill has been fantastic, and... Power play hasn't scored in the last couple games, but it's been deadly. We spent, you know, minutes in their zone creating momentum, and and uh, yeah, so offense has been great, and especially teams are always huge. You played for Bill Peters before when you were coming up in juniors. Have you always had to be on your toes on the bench for he's going to put somebody with somebody else during the flow of a game? Yeah, I think he was kind of like that in junior for sure. He likes to shuffle up the lines, but I think he does that more so now than he did then. So yeah, it's one of those things where. I don't think he wants guys to get comfortable where they're at when they're positioned in the lineup. And and uh, if you see something that, I mean, even against Colorado last game where we were playing really well, guys were playing with lots of energy. And before the third period, he felt like he needed to make a couple changes. And that first line with Ginner, Jordan, and, and Elias, they went out there and scored a goal and had a couple big shifts. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where he, I think he's really good at adapting mid-game and, and uh, able to see what, which players are hot and put them in the right spots. Looking at that board over there, the uh, the penalty killing number has has risen over yeah. the last few weeks, and it's been big since the All Star break. Uh, what's what's clicked on the PK? That's a good question. I mean, I I think that the biggest thing earlier in the year we were struggling with we get possession in, in the zone and we wouldn't clear it. We'd kind of give the other power play another chance, and whenever you do that, especially against some of the top PPs in the league, then they can usually create a good chance and perhaps capitalize on that so that's been big um, blocking shots is always big it's fun to see you know Nordy and Lindy and all those guys being fearless and jumping in front of shots and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's it's been huge for us to get those big kills in the big moments of the game a big four minute kill the other night and and it's a good way to create momentum right, you get out there a little bit on the PK so what's the what's the thought process going I might have to eat a puck right now I mean do you think about it or you let's just not think about it we'll deal with it later yeah usually when you're in the middle of the game you're not thinking about too much if you're thinking then you're going to be too slow to react but yeah it's on the PK I'm usually going out there to win a face off or get in there for the four minute kill and try and give the other guys a bit of a breather but yeah it's it's a it's a humble job you go out there and you work hard and you get in front of the front of the puck and try and block it and and uh, yeah, it's honestly it's rewarding. It's it's one of those things where you can uh, create momentum for the team in a in a worthwhile way. Been at the, this team's been at home uh, for a while now. Is it about yeah. time to, to get back on the road? Yeah, it feels like we haven't been on the road for a while. So it's nice to get out there and hang out with the guys a little bit, go to dinner, and it'll be nice to have the mom's trip coming up too. It's fun to you know have some family members with us. And yeah, we've been at home for a while. I don't know how many games it's been, but it's nice to be at home at PNC too. It's going to be eight. So basically three weeks at home. Is there anything is there anything left on the, the list for you that you had to do that's left? Just lots of family time. Lots of time with Zane in August, the wife too. It's been nice. With whole month of December leading up to Christmas, I felt like I was on the road a lot and away from the family, so it was nice to get back and hang out with the family. 
and then uh, you come back after playing in New Jersey, three more at home, uh, and the divisional schedule picks up a bit yeah. too. I mean, how important are those games? You got LA on Tuesday, obviously that's a Western Conference opponent, but then it's New Jersey, it's uh, the Islanders, all these divisional games. How crucial are those coming down the stretch? Yeah, it's, that's a good point. I think those games are so vital. We've won a, a lot of games, you know, out of division or against the Western Conference lately. It seems like, but those divisional games are going to be. Uh, I mean, that's going to be the the thing that decides whether we make the playoffs or not. Probably is those games against the division teams. So we got to make sure we can keep the teams behind us, behind us, and try and claw our way forward and climb up the standings. And and uh, those points against the division teams are the way you do that. I, I want to go back to the family for a second. I am going to go inside the the locker room. We're actually outside the locker room. I've noticed that your son has lots of energy and cannot wait to run in here you after a game. I have noticed that. <laughs> um, my thing for you is how cool is it after a game to see the little ones just come flying in here and just want to be a part of it all? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he's four, so I don't think he really grasps the, <laughs> the fact that he's getting to come into an NHL locker room and hang out with a bunch of the NHL guys. And, yeah, he loves it. He's full of energy, right? He's he kind of wears us out a little bit, but he's he's always fired up to come in here. And, um, you know, when we don't win the game after the game, he's like, Daddy, how come you guys didn't win? I got to tell him it's hard to convince a four-year-old why he didn't win a <laughs> hockey game. But it's uh, it's always cool to see him come in here. He's got a big smile on his face, and he loves coming into the weight room and hanging out with Billy B also. Can you just tell him the other team cheated? That's what I should, but I probably shouldn't <laughs> lie to him too much. I don't know. It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard question to answer, but he usually just lets me slide away from it. All right, as one of the, the more seasoned guys on this team and Valentine's Day is coming up and, mm. you know, you've, you've, be yeah, you've been on the road. Yeah, we're on the road. So that leads to an important question oh for Valentine's Day. You know, well, what do you do? What's, what's the gift? What's the go-to from, I don't know if you're called the doctor. I don't know if it's a love doctor, but like what, what's the gift? What's the go-to? Well, that was a reach there, Mike. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a podcast, so I'm allowed to right now. <laughs> Yeah, we usually just try and get a babysitter, maybe go for a nice dinner, you know, Angus Barn or Capitol Grill. It's a nice, get a nice steak dinner, and my wife usually appreciates that. Uh, flowers and chocolate, she's not a huge fan of those things. She'd rather just go out for a nice dinner and have some alone time with us. All right, there it is. So for all of you listening, take tips from Derek Ryan. He knows. Doc, thank you. Thanks, guys. Wow, the love doctor. Was that a, was that a stretch? I don't know I if that was a stretch. I don't know. I think it worked. I mean, he is the doctor. It and it's topical. Well, that was a reach there, Mike. I don't know about that. <laughs> Just going with that. He's also a great guy. And one, yeah, of the, yeah. one of the best stories in the National Hockey League is Derek Ryan and it's his journey to get to the NHL and become an everyday NHL player. And I just think that he's one of those guys that you don't necessarily win a championship because Derek Ryan is on your roster, but he's a guy you need to have. You need to have in that locker room yeah. because if you don't have guys like that, I don't see you winning titles. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those – it's a weird thing to explain. He's not the superstar, but he's a piece that you wouldn't have success if you didn't have. Exactly. He's, he's a glue guy. He's a gel guy. The guys you need in the locker room. You're not going to sit there and see him hoist the Conn Smythe trophy, although lots of times in the playoffs, and he's a guy who's performed well in the playoffs overseas, but lots of times – it's those guys who come up with the timely goals. They make a big play. They win a big faceoff. Like he even said, he goes, yeah, on the penalty kill, killing off four minutes, you're just putting me out there to win a faceoff. But they trust him enough to play in those situations. Win the faceoff and get it 200 feet. 
So we look back. We talked to Derek Ryan uh, about the most recent games, and we talked with him about what's ahead. Well, well, so. what, what I was going to say. Well, what do you? Let's go to the important thing here. Okay. Or do we want to save it for what's the Valentine's go to? We'll save it. Okay. Yeah, we'll save it. Let's. That's what I, I, generally we follow a script, but yeah. We'll before come out we get of that there, interview. we'll, we'll yeah. look ahead real quick before we get there. The Hurricanes hosting the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday. The final game in the season-long eight-game homestand, it feels like we've been home for practically an entire season. No, it does to you because to me it doesn't. <laughs> no? It, it feels like we've been home for a week. I mean, I understand. And for you, you actually had a bit of a respite because you went down to Tampa for the All-Star game where you learned what I matey means. Yeah, ahoy matey. Ahoy matey. That means hello, friend. Yeah, now I use it in everyday conversation. As well, you should. <laughs> We need to bring that back into the vernacular of our society. Why do pirates just get to say it? Yeah. So anyway, I digress. And take a look at, you had that trip. It's felt like I've only been home for about a week because I'm sitting here, when I saw this, I'm like, gosh, eight home games. That's going to feel like we're here like summer. No, I can't believe we're already at game number eight on this homestand. I can't believe that that's done. And then the travel picks up a little bit again as uh, we finish up the month of February heading into March. Yeah, so the team goes uh, to New Jersey the day after Valentine's Day. They actually leave for New Jersey on Valentine's Day, and we'll have uh, some special extra passengers with us. I guess if you're at this point, you already know who they are. But yeah. The mom's trip yeah. is happening this year. The Carolina Hurricanes have done a dad's trip forever, and now they've decided to, with Valentine's Day, bring the moms. And nothing says Valentine's. Like Newark, New Jersey. Gorgeous. Oh, let me tell you, the Sunshine State <laughs> is not the New office. Jersey. They're the Garden State, so they say. Of something. I haven't seen much gardens in Newark, New Jersey, but uh, the moms are actually going to go into Manhattan because Newark is, what, 15 minutes away, no traffic, uh, from going into Manhattan. So there's a, a great few days planned. They're going to watch their sons play against the L.A. Kings at the PNC Arena. By the time you hear this, either that game is already done, but it's the Tuesday game this week, and they go with the their sons up to Newark, New Jersey. They get a day in Manhattan. They get to watch their sons play at the Prudential Center, which is a very nice arena. i got to give the Devils credit. I don't know what it is for you and your vantage point, but for what I do on the TV side of things, it's one of my favorite buildings to go to. And then come right back and – we continue with the tri-state area, the New York Islanders. So this is a big stretch for the moms. That's uh, that's the thing is uh, you look at this homestand and uh, Tuesday will finish up a stretch of three straight Western Conference opponents. You also had San Jose mixed into there and some Atlantic Division opponents, Pittsburgh, of course, or not Pittsburgh, excuse me, Philadelphia a week ago. But after Tuesday, the game against Los Angeles, you've got a stretch of four straight games against divisional opponents. I you've love got it. New Jersey, New York Islanders, New Jersey again. Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't love the New Jersey Islanders, New Jersey again. I would rather do a back-to-back home-and-home with them. That I love. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's going to be an interesting time. Those are eight huge points. Um, And and at a time where New Jersey has slipped a bit, and they're in that first wild-card spot right now, three and seven in their last ten, those are two big games. Uh, A chance for the Hurricanes to, to maybe leapfrog the Devils in the standings. And then the Islanders, who we've touched on before, uh, not so great at the whole defense uh, preventing goals thing. You know, a chance for the Hurricanes to maybe build some separation between them. Uh, who knows what the standings are by Friday because it's it's Monday and these things seem to change on a 
daily basis more so. But, um, you know, after that, a couple games against the Atlantic Division, and then you're right back into the division with Philadelphia and New Jersey before uh, a week of Western Conference opponents. But uh, – this this stretch upcoming is is huge for the Hurricanes because the divisional games are, are, are you're getting right into the thick of it, uh, and with how tight it is, uh, these games could mean a whole lot as you come down the stretch of the season. Well, I think this is a perfect time, Michael Smith, to unleash one of the things we like to do. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. So let me pose this question to you and the schedule makers. Okay. I actually like playing the division down the stretch where games matter where you can move from sixth place to second place. So let me posit this question. I would like to see, because you've got to play your division, each team four times right now as the NHL is constituted. Man, I'm using big words here. Yeah, I can barely understand it all. Thank you. But I would like, in October and November, you play your division, everybody in your division, twice. So you get... Two games against New Jersey, two games against New York. You do that there. The middle of your schedule, that's where we go cross-division. That's where you go cross-conference, right in the middle. And then the last month of the season, March 8th, and I know I'm saying last month and I'm bringing in April, but you only play like two or three games in April. But the last month or three weeks of the season, you play your division again. And you close out with, how what, that'd be ten games against your division. So it's an interesting concept. I think I'm going to baseball tries to do it. That's what I was going to say that out there. Yeah, because it gives you a chance to move up. And, I, and I'm sorry, but I just hate the well, we're going to go play a team that has no stake, no horse in this race anymore. And, and I just I hate that division games mean something. They always mean something down the stretch to send a message for next year, to be a spoiler, to crush one of the teams that you just don't like. It builds rivalries within the division. I just think that that would be a great way to close out the schedule. It's an interesting thought, and I, I did see sort of hear the similarities to the baseball schedule. I think I'm going to send it back, though, because I kind of like the randomness of the schedule. There's there's somewhat of a intentional randomness. I don't know if that makes sense at all. It's it probably doesn't, no, but I, but I know what you're I know what you're driving right. at. Right, it, it does seem like the schedule makers, at least from the Hurricanes' perspective, I haven't looked at other teams, but I would assume it's it's maybe similar that there is maybe sort of, sort of more of a focus on divisional play down the stretch. I don't know if that's true or not. It could just be me making things up, but um, I kind of like how how random it is because it makes any given night just as important as all the rest, um, and. It, it at least allows us to go to the West, the cold Western Conference cities in the first week of the season, <laughs> so we don't have to do that in December or January, as your schedule would propose. Oh, all right. Well, we'll move it to November. <laughs> okay. November, Fine. we play the Deal. You play the division. October, we go and get the get a couple of long trips out of the way. But yeah. I was also going to say, though, it, it 100% guarantees we go to the warm West Coast cities in December and January. That's true, and that's a nice uh, respite from – from what's here here we are just using big words look at that um all right you got one for me or you gotta go to well uh, we've got a fan one. Oh, all right yeah, fan submitted not a question but uh a topic for this this segment that we like to do here so it's uh carl no last name on twitter um okay good because anytime there's a carl and there's a last name we get in trouble his uh username is quadlemox oh okay I probably just said a dirty word. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. We'll get away with it. Yeah. 
So he proposes uh, his his theory is that one and done tournaments are seen as more exciting to the general public. He cites the NFL playoffs, March Madness, etc. So if you like it, you can keep it. If don't, send it right back. What if each series, each NHL playoff series, is a home and home with the winner taking all? If they split the first two games, you have a second home and home a few days later. And if you still split, you have a tiebreaker in game seven. Well, after that, that third split, because I guess you have to get six and then, yeah. and then seven. So so basically, it's uh, it puts more focus on an individual game rather than a, a seven-game series. No, I'm going to send it back because there's going to be too much sitting around. What if you have a series that goes seven and what do you have a series that's a sweep? So now you got to sit around and wait. Who has the advantage? The team that's playing, the team that's sitting around and not playing for. It's going to take you. And he said like three days in between you play the back-to-back again. So that's five days, and then you got to tie them another three. Now you're at eight days for a series, and then you got to play a game seven. And no, no, I, I, I get the gist of it, but not. No, I'm not. I'm going to send it back. The idea behind it uh, is it, that I know it creates more excitement. You know, one game, and done. Yeah, every game means more. Each game feels like a game six or game seven. But I kind of think the playoffs are, are already like that. I kind of think they all carry this weight of of being a, a huge momentous game because. You start out with two games at home, and you want to win both of those games because if you don't, the other team has, has sort of regained home ice advantage. So. Are you sending it back to Carl, or are you I am it? sending it back. All right. We're both sending it back, but let me put an asterisk on this if I can. I would keep it if you made it a play-in series to get in. If you expand the playoffs to 10 teams now in each conference, because, I mean, we're going to get to 32 eventually. So then it would be 20 of 32 teams. And it would be teams number 9 and 10. You do a home and home. And then if you don't have it settled, I'm not saying I'm not going to wait. You know, this is like proposing 12 days to wrap up a series. Uh, I, I can't do that. But you then have a third game, and you go back to the team that had the, the ninth seed, the team with a better record, gets home ice for a third game, and that's winner take all. So basically – I'm proposing a three-game playoff to get into. Now, I'm a baseball fan, huge baseball fan. You cannot play 162 games, and hear me out, because this is where the asterisk comes in. You can't play 162 games and then tell the four best teams you're only getting two games or one game. You, You played too long to do that. I love the wild card in baseball because what does it do? Keeps more teams involved and into the race, and that's only one game. And my thing is, one game, anything can happen. So you either make it one game and anything can happen. I'm sorry that you were the 10th team, but you're getting one game in. It start as, as soon as you start posing home and home, and then you can't play an even number of playoff games. You, you can't do that. You have to have – it has to be an odd number. So while I like the idea of doing this for a play-in, you can't do it for a regular season. You can't – and you know why it works in football? Because football only plays 16 games. Right. It's it's built on that one-game structure. March Madness. I love March Madness as much as any human being on the planet can possibly love that tournament. But you can't play seven-game series. What? How many? you got to get six wins to get to, the, to win the championship. You know, you win the first round. Forget the play-ins and whatever they have there. But, I mean, they have the play-ins there. I, I get it but I would use it as a play-in to get into the, the tournament 
as opposed to make the tournament that. It, it's good thought. And, look, it created a good debate here on the yeah. podcast. So, Carl, we appreciate the question, but I think we're sending it back. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, but we'll send it back because yeah, it, when it comes down to it, I think the NHL playoffs are probably the most exciting postseason They're, in all of sports. It, it, it jumps up so many notches in terms of physicality, intensity, um, competitiveness that that I, I just don't think you need to tinker with it uh, in the least bit. So uh, it is an interesting thought, but I think the, the NHL playoffs are, uh, are great the way they are. They're perfect. The NHL playoffs, I love the NFL. I love all sports. I, I really do. I love the suddenness of one game and, okay, that's it. And I get it. But football – you can't play a seven-game or a three-game no, football I think, series. Yeah, a game is indicative enough of which is the better team. But once you drop the puck in the postseason in the NHL, it's perfect. It it really, truly is. Um, could they go back to shortening the first round to make it a best of five? Fans might enjoy that, but at the same time, a little bit random. You know, Sometimes the better team doesn't always win. You can say, oh, well. And I know that that's what uh, is being driven out there at Carl. But why would you deprave, not deprave, deprive. deprive. Thank you. Almost. I'm depraved. Just a vowel. Thank you. We'll get to this. We're going to edit that one. Why would you deprive yourself of the ability of hearing Chuck Caton call more than one playoff game? Crowd noise only. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. Do you have any uh... – any other uh, like it, take it, send it back comments? Uh, we have to find a way to shorten that uh, the title of that. Segment. No, I it's no, as it's long fine. as as long as I can. <laughs> it's it's always it's, just going to be word vomit. <laughs> yeah, as long as I can play Will Ferrell to lead into it. No, that's what it is. Yeah, perfect. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. So that's fine. Here, do you want to change the name? Let me put that out there. You want to change the name? <laughs> if you like it, take no, it. No, actually, not I'm, send gonna, it back. I'm gonna send it back because I like it. I just I feel like I end up word vomiting every time I yeah. say it. Because you try to you try to arrange the words like <laughs> me earlier trying to say the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> that that's who I would be. Right. So, speaking of, do we give a plug for Billy B. Bill Berniston? Seeing we've had a whole bunch of bees out there. No. Okay. All right. Forget that. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> Was gonna try to give you a plug, but there's no no chance he listens to this. That's the strength and conditioning <laughs> coach. He tells me he listens to every podcast, and I said, I "What was does. your favorite part?" And he said, "The part where you guys say my name." <laughs> so we'll see uh, if his he favorite listens part now. of this one definitely won't be this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, Michael. I think that's a good way to end this week's edition of the Canes Cast. This was episode 29. We didn't even reference that in the beginning. We just got right to it. Wow. We're episode, almost to 30. Episode 29. Yeah. The Love Doctors. No? No. I think so. I thought it I wasn't it a stretch. Work. I thought it was good. No, I think it's I think it's great. Well, that was a reach there, Mike. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. What are you doing? We're, we're well, yeah, we're just observing uh Rod Brendamore was on the ice with uh I believe it was Brooks. That was his son Brooks. Just a second yes, sir. Oh, Brooks, who you might have recognized the other night uh as the starter of the game. And what a fantastic job he did. He great. was ready for the anthem. I mean, Real great. He got the he got the guys pumped up and ready to play. So, uh, well, you know what? Before we go, actually, I do have one more. If you like oh, okay. it, okay. Um, and this is, we can go off on a commentary here. It's a podcast, so we'll get that. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. The NHL in the month of February has instituted hockey is for everyone, and you can play nights. I would like to think we're to a point, or we'll get to a point where we won't need these things. But I like this initiative. I like that the players get behind it and. Again, I think people see it and put a certain aspect in their mind 
oh, it's this or it's that. It's not. And we've talked to a bunch of players about it. It's about creating an opportunity for kids who would never think that they would want or play hockey. You know, Lee Stempniak said, anything that can make hockey more accessible, more affordable for people. That's what you talk about. Hockey is for everyone. You take a look at sports now today that women play, and you'd be like, well, what are they going to, to bring to the table? This is the mentality 50, 60 years ago. Take a look at scholarships for anybody out there who's got a daughter or a sister, whoever, you know, a cousin who's a great athlete. It, it affords them the opportunity to go to college, to play in the Olympics, to have all of these amazing events. So if you like it, you can take it. If not, you can send it back. But I'm saying that the NHL continues to spearhead this initiative because I love what it brings. And I don't know how many teams you played on as a kid or high school or whatever. I, I'll zip it just to find out if you'll take it or send it oh i love it i'll I'll take it all day i think it's a great month i think it's a great initiative i like too that the nhl has in the last few years uh changed uh really what it's what it's all about um to just be more inclusive of of really everything yes um you know because and and make it a bigger more meaningful initiative and i think i think the league does a great job i think the individual teams uh for each of the each of the nights they do the hurricanes are actually doing uh i think it's five nights so it just had you can play night uh, the other night that celebrated the LGBTQ community. Um, also doing girls hockey night, Capital City Crew night, Triangle Sled Hockey Association night, and Triangle Special Hockey Association night. So really just covering all the bases. And, and you mentioned something important too is that uh, hockey is such a unique sport in that as a kid, it takes uh, a lot of resources to get into it because you look at basketball you can pick up a ball and find a hoop and start playing soccer. Again, find a ball, find something to kick it into. But with hockey, you need all this equipment. You need the sticks, the pucks, even the, the balls, pads. Yep. the pads. Uh, you need ice time. You need a place to play. There's a lot that goes into it, and not every child uh, or family has the means to be able to, to, to make that happen. So uh, for organizations like Capital City Crew, which uh, Hayden Flurry and Trevor Van Riemsdyk uh, popped into one of their practices here at PNC Arena lately for for what they do and and spreading the sport to to inner city children. What our good friend Shane Willis does as well, who is yeah. the coach of the Junior Hurricanes, who are up in in Quebec right now. How many kids are going to be from the Capital City Crew who play for the Junior Hurricanes one day yeah. and get a chance to experience going to another country and you know other cultures? And that's the other thing too about hockey. Michael, we're in that room. How many different cultures are in the room? You got Finns, you've got Swedes, you've had Russians, you have. Guys from the Czech Republic, you have Canadians, you have Americans, you've got Northerners, you've got Midwesterners, you've got guys now growing up everywhere. Hockey is, on its surface, a sport that includes people. You know, it, it brings folks together. And it's funny because I talk to a lot of people in my life doing this job, and I've been in sports my entire life, my entire adult life. You know, I've been a sports talk show host, and now I'm fortunate enough to do this. The folks that I've talked to, who aren't sports fans, it's funny, always feel that sports isn't inclusive. Well, you know, the people who like sports, they they don't want to hear. And that's the funniest thing to me is the teams I played on, and I didn't play at anywhere near these levels. When you're on the field, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you believe in, what you do. We're a team. And as long as you help us win and, you know, you don't do anything to, you know, upset the apple cart – 
that's it. That's all that matters. If you're a good person around your teammates, that's it. And, and that's why it's funny because sports, when you get in the locker room, is the most inclusive thing that, you know, we want you to be a part of the team. We want to be able to do this. And so that's why I, I like the initiative. And, you know, for people who think that it's it's all about one thing, it's not. It's really not. It's about kicking down doors to give folks an opportunity to play that would never have that opportunity. Yeah, I, I love what the league's doing, and I love what Trevor Van Riemsdyk has done as the Hurricanes Hockey is for Everyone ambassador. His brother does the same thing in Toronto going on a couple years now. Uh, Trevor also last year in Chicago was their Hockey is for Everyone ambassador. Yep. He did some work at the University of New Hampshire with the You Can Play project. So he's got a history of, of, of being actively involved in this. Um, it's great to see. It's a great initiative. I think everything you said about the sport rings true. Uh, it, it's just it's incredibly important. Uh, it's an incredibly important month. Um, and I, I love that the Hurricanes are, are embracing it with open arms. Yeah, as well they should. Well, that'll do it for this edition, episode 29 of the Canes cast. Michael Smith will come up with a name for it. Yeah, probably the Love Doctors. Well, that, that could work. <laughs> that's, we're going to get a whole bunch of people clicking on iTunes and Google Play. Just saying. Clickbait. Yeah. Well, everybody else does it. Why not us? What would Chuck Hayton say about that? Proud noise only. Oh. That too. <laughs> That'll do it for us. For the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.